All right, we are in the midst of a teaching series on the story of Joseph as described in Genesis 37 to 50. In the story, we see how God uses adversity to transform us into the people that he wants us to be. None of us like difficulties and hardships, but they are instruments that God uses to uh, disciple us. And, and that's what really this, this entire story is about, not only in the life of Joseph, but also in his brother's lives and in his father's life. Everyone in this story is under construction. God is at work transforming them into the people that he wants them to be. So if you have your Bible or your iPad or whatever, uh, turn to Genesis 45. Up to this point, the focus has been upon how God is shaping this family individually, But there is still one critically important thing that must happen, something that is very much at the center of God's heart, and that's the restoring of broken relationships. Significant damage has been done to the relationships in this story. There are some very real hurts that have happened in this family, resulting in betrayal and conflict and and, and struggle, and now God wants to bring about restoration. He wants these relationships that have been bound up by this hurt for so long, he wants those relationships to experience healing. Well, in chapter 45, we see this beginning to happen, and it's, it all centers around one central foundational concept, forgiveness. Forgiveness. The only way restoration can happen in relationships that have been damaged by hurt and by sin is through forgiveness. There is no other path. And so today, we're going to talk about forgiveness. A quick summary of where we're at in this story. Joseph's brothers sold him into slavery. After 13 years, God orchestrates events that enable Joseph to become second in command in Egypt. And, and so he serves during seven good years, and then he oversees a famine relief effort when the rain stops. And they are now in year two of what will be a seven-year famine. His brothers have come twice to get food. Neither time they recognize Joseph, but he recognizes them. And then we saw um, in these past two weeks how Joseph puts them um, through several tests to determine whether or not any heart change has really happened in their lives over these years. And as we saw last week, they pass these tests with flying colors, which culminates As we we ended the message last week, it culminates in Judah being willing to lay down his life for his younger brother, Benjamin, which is where we pick up the story tonight, chapter 45. Then Joseph could no longer control himself before all his attendants, and he cried out, have everyone leave my presence. So there was no one with Joseph when he made himself known to his brothers, And he wept so loudly that the Egyptians heard him, and Pharaoh's household heard about it. Joseph said to his brothers, I am Joseph. Is my father still living? But his brothers were not able to answer him because they were terrified at his presence. Then Joseph said to his brothers, come close to me. When they had done so, he said, I am your brother Joseph, the one you sold into Egypt. And now do not be distressed and do not be angry with yourselves for selling me here because it was to save lives that God sent me ahead of you. 
For two years now, there has been famine in the land, and for the next five years, there will be no, there will be no plowing or reaping on earth. And uh, uh, let's see, I lost my place. <laughs> um, um, no plowing and reaping, but God sent me ahead of you to preserve for you a remnant on earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. Verse 14. Then he threw his arms around his, his brother Benjamin and wept. And Benjamin embraced him, weeping. And he kissed all his brothers and wept over them. Afterward, his brothers talked with him. This is, this is just an amazing scene where finally Joseph reveals himself. We've been waiting for this moment. And this wonderful reconciliation happens in the aftermath of horrible hurt and, and pain. And the only reason it happens is because forgiveness is extended. Forgiveness is absolutely essential in order for us to experience healthy relationships. It is absolutely essential in order for us to experience healthy relationships. So let's talk about forgiveness. There are four um, aspects of forgiveness that I want us to look at from this passage here. Uh, what forgiveness is not, what forgiveness is, why forgiveness is important, and then how we can forgive. That's kind of our plan here um, in this message. So let's dive into the first issue. What forgiveness is not. What forgiveness is not. There are, there are um, a lot of kind of mixed up, and unhealthy notions or views of forgiveness out there that we, that we really need to address because often they keep us from experiencing the real thing. First of all, forgiveness is not minimizing or excusing the wrong. It's not minimizing or excusing the wrong. Some people think that forgiveness means sweeping the hurt under the rug, acting like it was no big deal, excusing the behavior. And so when someone apologizes, you know, for some hurt, we instinctively say, oh, that's okay. That's okay. It was no big deal. That's okay. That's not forgiveness. <laughs> you know, we're, we're minimizing the offense. Again, that's not forgiveness. Forgiveness isn't about excusing or minimizing the hurt. It acknowledges the hurt. It acknowledges what happened. It's, it, there's no sugarcoating. Forgiveness says, this hurt me. And in fact, notice what Joseph does in this passage. He says to them, I am your brother Joseph, the one you sold into Egypt. I'm the one you betrayed. He acknowledges the hurt. He doesn't minimize it or act like it never happened or whatever. He doesn't minimize it here. Which leads really to the second. Another thing we sometimes assume is that forgiveness means forgetting. You know, that somehow, unless we have forgotten the offense, we really haven't forgiven the person. And that's just not true. Our, our, our brains and our hearts don't work that way. We, we, we can't just erase things from our minds. I mean, here in this story, 22 years have gone by. 22 years have gone by, and Joseph still mentions the offense. So forgiveness is not forgetting. Here's another. Forgiveness is not a feeling. It's not a feeling. You know, if we wait to forgive someone until we feel like forgiving them, we will probably be, probably be waiting a long time. Forgiveness is not a feeling. 
One of the other mistakes, mistaken ideas about forgiveness is that um, it's this idea that forgiveness does not mean the absolving of, con- of consequences. I can forgive someone who stole my car, but that doesn't mean that I don't press charges. Um, we, we can forgive a spouse for an affair, but that doesn't mean our relationship automatically goes back to the, to the way it was. Trust has to be rebuilt. Sin in our relationships has consequences. So when I say something hurtful to someone, there is relational damage that occurs. And, and, and while the person I hurt can forgive me, that doesn't mean that we don't have to work to rebuild trust. So all of these are mistaken ideas about forgiveness. Forgiveness is not minimizing or, or excusing. It's not forgetting. It's not a feeling. Um, and it's not sort of the absolving of any and all consequences. Okay, so if that's what forgiveness is not, let's talk about what forgiveness is. Forgiveness is a choice. It's a choice. It is a decision we make. Forgiveness is to choose to let go of our right to retaliate. That's what it is. It is a decision we make, a choice to let go of our right to hold this against this person, to hold this offense against them and to, or, or, to, or to get back at them. Another way of saying this um, is to use the words Jesus used in a parable he told in the book of Matthew. He told this parable about forgiveness. He described forgiveness as canceling a debt. And that's exactly what it is. To forgive is to cancel a debt. See, when someone hurts us, they owe us. They, They owe us. There is a relational debt that they have towards us. And we are, we, are, we are holding that hurt against them, and rightly so, in a, in a, in a justifying sense. They hurt us. So they, they owe us for that offense. So to forgive is to acknowledge they owe us, and then it's to tear up the IOU. It's to cancel that debt. It's to choose to cancel the debt. It's to choose to let go of our right to hold this against this person. That's what forgiveness is. So think about Joseph's situation. On one hand, he had every right to exact revenge against his brothers, and he was in a position to do it. (laughs) He could have made their life miserable. He could have thrown him in jail for 22 years because that's what they deserved after what they had done to him. He could have done that. That, that, that. That's what would have been written on the IOU, right? 22 years in the slammer or whatever. They owed Joseph a significant relational debt. But Joseph chose to let go of that debt. Again, he was not excusing what they had done. He was not minimizing it. Oh, it was really no big deal. He was not minimizing it. And he was certainly not forgetting it. I mean, he wept, for goodness sake. The the pain and all, he was feeling all those emotions of what had happened. This wasn't easy for him to do. 
But it was the right thing to do. It was the right thing to do. Forgiveness is totally counterintuitive. It makes no sense at one level. Because this person owes me. (laughs) They hurt me. Everything within us wants to hang on to that and to hold it over this person's head. When we see them, we want to give them a cold shoulder. We want to ignore them. We want them to know we remember, right? When when we're in a group, we want to say things that will put them down. Or maybe when they're not even there, we want to say things that will put them down. That's what makes sense, right? At an intuitive level, that's what makes sense to us. That's what we feel like doing. And that's really what we have, in a sense, we have every right to do. (laughs) We have every right to hang on to that offense, to retaliate, to hold it over their head because they owe us. But that's not forgiveness. Forgiveness involves choosing to give up my right to retaliate, my right to hang on to this. It's choosing to let it go. Now, I love how Peacemaker Ministries describes forgiveness. I think it's really helpful in a very practical way because we can say, oh, yeah, I forgive, I forgive. But here, I love the way they talk about four promises of forgiveness. If we forgive someone, we're basically making these four promises. We're embracing these four promises. Number one, promise number one, I will not dwell on this incident. Promise number two, I will not bring this incident up and use it against you anymore. (laughs) Promise number three, I will not talk to other people about this incident. And promise number four, I will not allow this incident to stand between us or hinder our personal relationship. Wow, I mean, that, that's what forgiveness looks like. To say we forgive someone and then to continue to bring up the offense at strategic moments in arguments um, or to give them the cold shoulder and ignore them when we see them in the store or, or to distance ourselves from them or to criticize them to other people, that, that, that means we haven't forgiven. That's not true forgiveness. Forgiveness is a choice we make to let go of our right to hang on to this debt. Which leads to the third aspect of this issue. Why is forgiveness important? You know, this is a a crucial question to wrestle with. Because there is a part of us that feels like forgiveness, as we just defined it a moment ago, there's a part of us that hears that and feels like forgiveness is just letting someone off the hook. It's just letting them off the hook when what they did was wrong. It hurt. Why would we just let them off the hook like that? Well, there are a couple of reasons why forgiveness is essential. First of all, forgiveness is essential for our sake. It is essential for our sake. You see, we think that by holding on to that hurt, we're getting back at them, 
right? We're, if we hold on to that, we'll, we'll show them. <laughs> we're, we're getting back at them. But you know what the reality is? A lot of times they've moved on. They're not thinking about this every day. They're not thinking about what they've done like we are. They're not losing sleep over it like we are. They're not becoming more bitter and angry like we are. See, when we choose not to forgive, we are the ones who suffer. We're the ones who suffer the most. Because really what's happening is we're actually allowing this person to hurt us again and again and again and again. One offense and we're hanging on to it. So we're just letting them hurt us again and again and again. One of my favorite quotes about forgiveness is this. To forgive is to set a prisoner free only to discover that the prisoner was you. See, in forgiveness, we think, oh, I'm letting this person off the hook. I'm, you know, <laughs> I'm letting this prisoner off the hook or whatever. And in reality, we were the ones that were, were imprisoned by the offense. That person has probably moved on. We were in a prison of that, uh, built by that particular offense and our response to it. So when we forgive, we, are, we, you know, we think we're setting the other person free, but in reality, we're the ones being set free. We're no longer allowing this, this offense to continue to hurt us and damage our soul. So it's important for us. You know, there's another dimension of this that, that's important to note. I want us to jump to Genesis 50, where this issue surfaces again after Jacob, the father, dies. Okay, so we're all the way to the last chapter of Genesis, jumping ahead just for a moment here. Verse 15, when Joseph's brothers saw that their father was dead, they said, what if Joseph holds a grudge against us and pays us back for all the wrongs we did to him? You know, they thought maybe Joseph was just doing this because Jacob was alive, and when Jacob's dead, watch out, right? So they sent word to Joseph saying, your father left these instructions before he died. This is what you're to say to Joseph. I ask you to forgive your brothers the sins and the wrongs they have committed in treating you so badly. Now please forgive the sins of the servants of the God of your father. When their message came to him, Joseph wept. His brothers then came and threw themselves down before him. We are your slaves, they said. But Joseph said to them, don't be afraid. Am I in the place of God? You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. So, again, when Jacob dies, the brothers get worried. They, they start thinking the only reason Joseph was nice to them was because dad was around. Now that he's gone, J you know, Joseph is going to exact revenge. So they orchestrate this plan, making it sound like Jacob was the one who asked Joseph to forgive them, right? But Joseph's response is fascinating here. He says, don't be afraid. First, he weeps. I think it breaks his heart. Because he's just longing for healthy, excuse me, healthy relationships, whole relationships. And now they're still kind of doing this deceiving thing. So I think his heart is a little broken here. He says, don't be afraid. And then he says this, am I in the place of God? Very interesting. When we don't forgive, 
we are putting ourselves in God's chair. In other words, we are putting ourselves in the judgment seat when we don't belong there. After all, we have our own issues, right? Our own sins against others. I mean, here's the irony. When we put ourselves in the judgment seat like that, when we put ourselves in God's chair, it actually opens a door for evil to exert its influence in our lives. As Tim Keller once said, the fastest way to become like Satan is to try to be God. Um, We can't handle being God. (laughs) We can't. We can't handle dispensing justice without our own sin getting in the mix. And this is why when we choose to hang on to a hurt and not forgive, we are actually allowing evil to wreak havoc in our lives. We're opening a door for that. We're putting ourselves in God's chair and we're opening a door for evil. That, that, that's what bitterness does. It wreaks havoc in our lives. It makes us angry, critical, negative people. All of us here have seen it do that to people. For years, they just speak, it just shrinks their soul. Bitterness, that's what it does. It shrinks our soul. Okay, now there's another reason why we're to forgive. One is for our sake. There's another reason, though, why we're to forgive. We forgive, we're to forgive because it's important to the relationship. It's important to the relationship. The brothers in this story show this to be the case. Until they know Joseph forgives them, they can't truly be in a close relationship with him. They can't. Because they're always wondering, did he really forgive us? Or is he going to go, you know, is he going to get back at us? See, when we're on the brother's side of this forgiveness thing, when we're the ones who hurt someone, it is nothing short of miraculous when that person looks us in the eyes and they say, I forgive you. It it is nothing short of miraculous. It is a holy moment. And sometimes we have a hard time believing it. The brothers did. It It is a holy moment. The burden of our guilt is lifted. Suddenly, the relationship can actually begin moving forward again. I remember a number of years ago dealing with a marriage situation in which a husband had inappropriately touched another woman. And I had received information about this incident from another source, and so I had to confront the husband. He admitted it had happened and was very repentant. He immediately went home to confess this to his wife, who was absolutely devastated and embarrassed. She, and she, she knew the person he had touched. So the next day, I went over to their house just to see how they were doing, and he was still broken and remorseful, and, and she was still very hurt. But, but I remember her describing to me how the Lord had walked her through the previous day. When her husband confessed it to her, she immediately went into her room and sobbed for a long time. The pain was palpable. It was excruciating. 
Later, they, they talked again. She came out, they talked again in the living room, and they just kind of sat in the pain together. But that evening, she was telling me this. She, she felt the Lord say to her, I want you to make love to your husband. I know he hurt you, and your heart is devastated. But I want you to do this as an act of forgiveness. So she did. She said it was an incredibly healing thing for her and her husband. And as I sat there, I thought to myself that this is a holy moment. This is supernatural. There was nothing natural about what I was witnessing. This is supernatural. I'm seeing before my very eyes the incredible power of forgiveness in a relationship. Which leads to the final question, how, how can we forgive? How do we do this? You know, I've already said that forgiveness is not easy. It is not, it is incredibly difficult, especially when, when someone does something really hurtful to us. It's really hard to forgive. So how can we do this? How can we find the strength to do this? There's something in this Joseph narrative that I think is, is incredibly powerful, and that is how often Joseph mentions God. Um, I don't know if you noticed it when we initially read the passage, but three times in his con- initial conversation with his brothers, Joseph says, God sent me here. Don't be distressed by what you've done because God sent me here. God is in this. See, Joseph is somehow able to see this situation from God's vantage point. Rather than seeing it from the perspective of his own, heart, his own hurt and his own pain, how painful it was to be sold into slavery at 17 years old and, and how awful prison was and, and all that he went through. You know, he, you know, instead of doing that, he, you know, he, he could have spent a lot of time talking about all the ways this wrong had made his life miserable. He could have done that, but he didn't. He chose to view it from God's vantage point. And when he's looking at it kind of from 30,000 feet or whatever, he saw how God had orchestrated even this evil to be used for good. Now, we rarely have a story like Joseph's when we're needing to forgive someone. <laughs> you know, how this particular hurt resulted in us being elevated to second in command of our nation and saving the world or whatever. You know, we, we rarely have that kind of, of, of perspective. And, and often, honestly, um, our forgiveness has to be extended when we don't see any of those things. We don't see any good coming from this. But I still think it's important for us to look at the situation from God's vantage point. So what do I mean by that? See, what I'm talking about here, what happens when we see from God's vantage point is that we begin to see ourselves and we begin to see the other person differently. Let me me explain. When we go to God with this hurt, God can help us see the log in our own eye how we too have hurt others. Perhaps we played some role in this situation as well. We want to just put it all on them, but maybe we played some role in this situation. 
And so it brings humility when we see things from God's vantage point because we see ourselves, some humility. But not only that, this is very important. When we go to God with our hurt, he can help us see this other person through his eyes. To help us see the other person through eyes of compassion. We can see the other person the way God does. And that's very significant because usually hurt people hurt people. Right? Hurt people usually end up hurting other people. So maybe... You know, we have never been able to forgive a person for how they, excuse me, to forgive a parent, let's say, for how they treated us growing up. We've just never been able to forgive. But have you ever thought about the home that that parent was raised in? And how their parents treated them or their siblings treated them? Often parental hurts are rooted in significant wounds in their past. But sometimes we can be so focused on our own world and we forget that they, our parents were children at one time. And what kind of family were they raised in? Again, I'm I'm not excusing the hurt. I'm not saying, oh, it's no big deal. But it can help us see. It, It can help us to see with God's eyes When you look at the person who hurt you, but you look at them with God's eyes, God may fill your heart with compassion towards them to see the pain that they carry. And when that happens, often the decision to forgive is significantly easier. It it helps so much to see from God's vantage point. Okay, so let's talk a little more specifically here about how to forgive. What exactly does forgiveness involve. When I teach on forgiveness, um, I like to use an easily remembered three-step process, okay? So if you want to, if you haven't taken notes, but you want to take notes, it may be helpful um, because then you can walk through this with any person you need to forgive. I call this the ABCs of forgiveness. A is acknowledge the hurt. Acknowledge the hurt. This goes back to what we mentioned earlier, and it's really important. It's a really important step. We need to feel the weight of what this person did to us. We're not minimizing it. Maybe we've minimized it for too long and acted like it was no big deal. We're saying, yeah, it hurt. When you did that, it impacted me in this way, in this way, in this way. We are acknowledging the hurt. We are feeling the pain of it. See, that way we can truly forgive from the heart as Jesus talks about. The only way you can forgive from the heart is if we actually acknowledge the extent of the pain in the first place. Because then when we forgive, it's truly from the heart. When I'm um, helping someone prayerfully walk through this process, and sometimes it's helpful to do that with someone else, um, or if I'm doing it myself, but I'll encourage the person Um, to actually act like the person who hurt them is sitting right across from them. And, and, And I'll say to this person, I want you to tell Mark exactly what he did and how that made you feel. And so the person, when they're ready, they would say, Mark, when, when you said this about me in front of our, everyone at work, that hurt and embarrassed me. 
made me feel ashamed. I lost credibility, blah, blah, blah. So you're saying those things, no, blah, 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 that was my own addition. I don't want you to blah, blah, blah on this. You need to say it specifically. What, yada, 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 no, we're not going there. But uh, specifically what he did or she did and how it impacted you. Or mom, when you criticized me and yelled at me, I, I felt hurt and alone and rejected. And So what you're trying to do here is feel the weight of what was done. Acknowledge it. And sometimes it helps just to envision that, imagine that person sitting across from you and you're just telling them. Okay. Second step, step B, bring it to the cross. Bring the offense to the cross. That's where the power to forgive comes from, right? Because Jesus has forgiven us through the cross, the cross becomes the place we can forgive others. We can bring this offense there and actually leave it there. We can cancel the debt because he has canceled our debt. All of our sins paid in full. And so, so we need to bring this offense to the cross. And, and, and again, in a time of prayer, what I would say to a person, or if I'm walking through this, I would, I would say, okay, when you're ready, at some point, um, just tell Mark that um, something like this, Mark, even though you hurt me, I am choosing to bring this offense to the cross where Jesus forgave me. I, I, am let, I let go right now. I let go of my right to hold this over you any longer. I forgive you. Now notice, we don't say, Jesus, help me forgive. Because sometimes I'll be walking through this process with them and they'll say, help me forgive. Okay, that's, that's great. It's a great prayer to, play, to pray, but you're not there yet. Because <laughs> um, forgiveness is actually to say, I forgive you. I let go of this. It's not just help me do this. So we want to get to that point, that decision point. And again, what gives us the capacity to do this is Jesus' forgiveness of us. That's what enables us to do this. He forgave our million-dollar debt, and he's asking us to forgive the 20 or $100 or $1,000, whatever, the significant debt, but he forgave all of our sin. Step C, and sometimes we, we ignore this one, but it's very important. Confess your own sinful responses. A lot of times when we're sinned against, we choose to respond Oh, consciously or subconsciously, we respond in a sinful way. And let me explain. Sometimes we make vows. Someone hurt us when we were 12 years old or whatever. We may, inwardly, we make this vow. I'm never going to trust a friend again. I'm never going to trust a man again or a person again. That's a vow that we make in our heart. Or we harbor hatred and bitterness towards that person. Um, or maybe we do something in revenge or whatever. So in this step, what we need to do is have the Holy Spirit show us any ways we responded to that offense in an, in an unhealthy way by believing a lie. Sometimes we believe a lie. You know, men can't be trusted or adults can't be trusted or I'm, I'm on my own or whatever it is. We believe lies and we need to break those. We need to confess those lies, renounce them because they're not true but they're dictating how we're living our life now. And so we, we, we bring those to the, the we, our, our, we confess those ourselves to Jesus. We renounce those things so they no longer have a hold on us because those things can impact us in significant ways. Over and over I've seen this. When, someone, when, when we get hurt, we believe a lie from that moment on. 
and it impacts every other relationship. Maybe that we were 10 years old, but we believe a lie. And so I'm on my own. I can't ever get close to anyone. Imagine, so people are 30, 40, 50 years old. They believe that lie because of that hurt. And it's impacting their relationships. They can't get close to anyone because there's, that, there are, there's a lie. Or I'm not, I'm not worthy of a relationship. or I'm not, Whatever those lies are, the Holy Spirit needs to help us see those so we can bring them to the cross. We can confess them and renounce them and embrace the truth about who we are in him. Okay, so the ABCs of forgiveness. Each step is really important. Now, we may have to do this over and over again. You know, we may forgive someone one day, and a week later, we start feeling all that anger again, and we have to do it again. That's okay, and, and, and expect it. And the reason I say it's expected is because you remember how Jesus taught us to pray in the Lord's prayer? The prayer, you know, that, that model that he taught us? He said, forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. I believe Jesus put, this in, put that in this prayer because it is something we need to regularly pray through. And not just a generic saying the words, forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us or whatever. No, we need to be as specific as possible. For a number of years, I've used and I continue to use the Lord's Prayer as the pattern in my prayer life. Whenever I pray, I pray through the Lord's Prayer as the pattern. Um, each part represents a section. I spend a, a little bit of time in each of those sections. Um, so when I get to the forgiveness part, what I try to do is stop and I ask the Holy Spirit, is there anyone I need to forgive? Is there any grudge I'm holding on to? Any anger I'm holding on to? Is there anyone here I need to forgive? And I let the Holy, try to let the Holy Spirit speak to me about that. The Spirit will show us that that's the case. And if it is, you can just walk through, and I walk through the, right then, this process of forgiveness. I have a relationship right now where I'm, I'm regularly doing this because a hurt keeps surfacing. This needs to be a regular part of our prayer lives. At any given time, we are in the midst of relationships, many of which have challenges and hurts. Life is too short, and our relationships are too important to let bitterness and unforgiveness just fester there. Because of our incredible Savior, Jesus, we can choose to forgive, and in doing so, we can actually release healing and life into our hearts and our relationships. I mean, such is the supernatural power of forgiveness. On December 5th, just a few months ago, Ronnie Smith was, was shot and killed in Benghazi, um, in Benghazi, Libya, while, while going for a morning jog. In response, his wife, Anita, wrote this open letter to the Libyan people. I want to read this. My husband and best friend, Ronnie Smith, loved the Libyan people. For more than a year, Ronnie served as a chemistry teacher in a school in Benghazi, and he would gladly have given more years to Libya if, if an unknown gunman had not cut his life short on December 5th, 2013. Ronnie and I came to Libya because we saw the suffering of the Libyan people, but we also saw your hope and we wanted to partner with you to build a better future. Ronnie grew to love you and your way of life, as did I. Ronnie really was Libya's best friend. 
friends and family from home were concerned about our safety, as were some of you. We talked about this more times than I can count, but we stayed because we believed the Libyan people were worth the risk. Even knowing what I know now, I have no doubt that we would both make the same decision all over again. Ronnie loved you all so much, especially his students. He loved to joke with you, tell stories about you, help you with your lives, and challenge you to be all that you could be. He did his best to live out his faith humbly and respectfully within a community of people with a different faith. To his attackers, I love you and I forgive you. How could I not? For Jesus taught us to love our enemies, not to kill them or seek revenge. Jesus sacrificed his life out of love for the very people who killed him, as well as for us today. His death and resurrection opened the door for us to walk on the straight path to God in peace and forgiveness. Because of what Jesus did, Ronnie is with Jesus in paradise now. Jesus did not come only to take us to paradise when we die, but also to bring peace and healing on this earth. Ronnie loved you because God loves you. Ronnie loved you because God loved him. Not because Ronnie was so great, but because God is so great. To the Libyan people, I always expected that God would give us a heart to love you. But I never expected you to love us so much. We came to bless you, but you have blessed us much more. Thank you. Thank you for your support and love for Ronnie and our son Hosea and me. Since Ronnie's death, my love for you has increased in ways that I never imagined. I feel closer to you now than ever before. I hear people speaking with hate, anger, and blame over Ronnie's death. But that's not what Ronnie would want. Ronnie would want his death to be an opportunity for us to show one another love and forgiveness because that's what God has shown us. I want all of you, all the people of Libya, to know I am praying for the peace and prosperity of Libya. May Ronnie's blood shed on Libyan soil encourage peace and reconciliation between the Libyan people and God. Signed, Anita Smith. Let's pray. Father, thank you for showing us what forgiveness isn't, what forgiveness is, why it's important, and how to do it. None of that makes it easier but we thank you for the, the guidance, the pathway, the ability you give us to do this. And so I wanna pray, Holy Spirit, um, for you to bring to mind for any of us here, if there is anyone we need to forgive. And so I'm gonna ask the Holy Spirit to do that and I encourage us just to wait on the Lord. And see if he, the Spirit, brings to mind any relationships. So Holy Spirit, we wait on you. And we pray that you would bring to our minds any people we need to forgive.
any hurts that we are hanging on to. Maybe we even thought we forgave these people. But when we heard the promises of forgiveness, we realized, no, we're still using this against them. We're holding it against them. It's still impacting our relationship. So bring to mind the people we need to forgive. Here's what I want you to do. I want you just to kind of covenant with the Lord right now. Because we're not going to do it here. It would just, it depends on the situation, circumstances. Maybe some of you, it's something that you can just easily forgive in a, in a few moments here. But for many of us, maybe these are things we just need to go before the Lord by ourselves later on and walk through these ABCs of forgiveness. Because that hurt is still impacting our lives today. So what I want you to do is the Lord has brought those to mind. I want you to just covenant with the Lord. Just tell him that you want to make a commitment that you're going to very soon in the next 24 hours if possible, maybe even this evening, you're going to get by yourself with him and you're going to walk through the ABCs in each one of these situations with these people so that your heart can be freed and so that a healthy relationship can happen and move forward. So let's take a moment of quiet and just make that commitment to the Lord that you are going to do this and that you'll need his help to do it. But don't don't delay. Father, we do pray that you would help us forgive, that we would have the courage to do this. I I pray for life to flow as we bring these offenses to the cross, as we acknowledge the hurt and bring the offense to the cross and that chains would be broken, lies would be broken as people, as we walk through these steps sometime very soon. And so I pray, Holy Spirit, you would be all over that experience, setting us free to love, setting us free to rebuild relationships that need rebuilding. So I just pray, Holy Spirit, you would help us. There are some significant hurts here, I'm sure, and I pray you would help us get to the cross with these things because we don't want to hold on to them any longer. So we are asking you for healing. We're, we're going to continue just to worship in a, in a, in a kind of a posture of prayer. And um, the worship team's going to lead us in some songs. Um, we're going to stand. Um, so why don't we stand? But if, it, if you want to just sit down and kind of you're processing some things and you're praying through some things relationally or whatever, feel free to sit down and continue to process. If you want to kneel at some point or maybe you're journaling or something, that's totally fine. We want this worship time just to be about Jesus and about what God is speaking to us about 
If you'd like to kneel, the altar is open. We also have intercessors that are available with red lanyards. They would love to pray with you. Maybe you just need someone to pray for you as you're going to be walking through these steps or whatever. Feel free to utilize these folks or for any healing need you have or whatever. We, Lord, we pray for these intercessors. You would pour out your spirit upon them and use them as instruments of healing and life tonight. So we love you. God set us free now to worship you, Jesus. Thank you for forgiving us. We can forgive because you forgive us. We are so grateful to you. What an awesome Savior you are.